Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. You know, part of the vision for conference this year that Pastor Ali and Pastor Brad had in their heart was, yes, Scylla, and we will get to that in the moment. But it was also a looking back over the last decade and celebrating the goodness of God. Now, we're, we're, a, we're a mature church. We're nearly 75 years old and I've been around for 40 of it, so you can imagine how I feel in all of that. But just at this conference... It's important to mark a decade. Who's had a significant milestone birthday? 21, 40, 30. Jackson had 30 this year. I remember being at Tim's 30th. I I remember being in lots of milestone birthdays. And this conference for us is a milestone of sorts. It's it's been a decade of blessing that we want to honour God for because it says in the Word of God, teach us, God, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If you don't look back, if you don't reflect on the wisdom of God, you'll actually have a deficit of wisdom in your life because God says one of the principles for for having wisdom is to look back and see the fingerprints of God on your life, on our faith community, in our church. And one of the frameworks, the Spirit-inspired frameworks that God has given us as a church to make meaning of our journey, particularly over the last decade, has been the journey of Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. When Pastor Brad and Pastor Ali first came 10 years ago, um, it was a daily bread season in the life of our church. And I thank God for praying pastors. They took over in the wake of a GFC and all sorts of external and extraneous things that had a massive impact on the health and the life of the church. I thank God that all those years ago, Pastor Brad stood up in his office upstairs and paced the floors and prayed, God, give us a blueprint. God, there is a blueprint in heaven. Maybe you're at that point in your life and you're like, God, it doesn't make any sense. Give me something, God, to hold on to. Maybe this conference is gonna be that for you, the something that God gives you, a download from heaven, a blueprint to hang your hope upon that God will come through. So Psalm 22 began the journey for us. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Says the prophecy about Jesus, the suffering servant who met us as a church in our pain, loss, debt up to our eyeballs, all manner of things, nobody's particular fault, a convergence of circumstances that had God's people crying out what the suffering servant said. And maybe you've cried those words out yourself. My God, my God, going through a divorce, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, just when I thought your purposes were happening in my life, this happens. You've got to know this morning that you have a Saviour that relates to your pain and meets you in Psalm 22 as He did our church. But then it moves on because the suffering servant becomes the shepherd of Psalm 23. 
And our healing balm as a church was Psalm 23, our prescription. And if you've been around for a while and if you haven't, you can listen to it on Right Now Media, was Psalm 23, Pastor Brad's famous sermon series of Psalm 23. God poured healing balm on us and shepherded our soul into health, spoke life over us and brought us back to a true revelation that we are not just the sheep of His pasture, we are His sons and daughters. Because sheep don't sit at tables, I learned in that series. I'll never forget that. And then I have visuals of sheep sitting up on it. I I do have a seer propensity. I've learnt late in life there's a name for a propensity I've just thought was normal, but there's that. I see sheep (laughs) at tables drinking from goblets of of grape juice, of course. And so (laughs) Psalm 23 (laughs) began our healing elixir. But you see, Psalm 23 was for a purpose. And we are living in that purpose today, and that is Psalm 24, a revelation of the King of glory. Because Psalm 22, the suffering servant, the cross, Psalm 23, the good shepherd, was all about Psalm 24 when He is revealed as the King of glory, who owns the earth, who is sovereign over it all, that wants expansion on the earth. And so it's today I want to have a look at Psalm 24 because it's a portrait of some things that David knew. Yes, it is a declaration of God's expansiveness and His glory, but it's also a window into David because David wasn't just the shepherd boy. He was someone who had a life habit, a life pattern that we can pick up in this. David knew the glory of God. Even through the pain of obscurity, out in the back blocks, rejected as a son to the point where his father, when asked to bring the sons out, he didn't even get a mention. And yet Samuel knew there's still one waiting. He knew the pain of obscurity. Maybe you felt that. He knew the pain of rejection. He knew uh, the hot breath of an enemy pursuing him relentlessly. He knew it. But in all of it, He was awake and aware to the presence of God. He was awake and aware to the glory of God. Psalm 24, 1 to 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I may be in the back blocks unseen, but God owns the earth that I'm living in. For He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters which is an incredible declaration. And in fact, it was the national consensus of God's children, the Israelites. It was their national belief system and it certainly was David's. But he was not willing to stop at a general understanding of the fact that God knew everything. He actually wanted to ascend into the manifest presence of God. You know, it's not enough to know mum and dad taught me God owns the earth and the fullness thereof. There comes a point where you have to grow up and say, and I will ascend into His manifest presence. I'm not gonna stay at a general understanding that God owns everything, He made everything. It actually has to grow up into me ascending into the presence of God. He didn't stay there. He wanted to get into the manifest presence of God. He ascended to the hill of the Lord, it says, and I'll read the Scripture for you, Psalm 24, 3 to 6. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in, His holy, in this holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, doesn't trust in an idol or swear by 
false gods. He wanted to ascend. No wonder he's writing Psalms about soaring on eagle's wings. He was a guy that actually knew how to go up in trouble, not to go out to friends or out to blame or to blame my family or my dad that was dysfunctional, but to ascend higher, go higher, come up here. The Spirit of the Lord says to John in the revelation that was unfolded about the future, come up here. Ascend, soar on eagles' wings. Don't stay in the lowlands where there's warfare. Don't be tethered to the everyday happenings in your life. And can I just say for some, there has been a contention over the ascension this week. There has been all out war on you ascending into the presence of God at conference this weekend. I rang my husband on Thursday and like, can you come home early? I'm about to kill one of our two children. If I kill one, we've only got one as an heir. There's no spare. <laughs> I won't even go into the circumstances, it's just too gory. You know those days where you're like, God, do I even have an anointing to preach this Word the way I've just dealt with my kids? I'm like, and I'm doing it in front of Andrew, who's seen it all, right? Thank God for Your grace, God. My righteousness doesn't change according to my, right? He ascended, but He knew holiness too. He knew that, yes, I must be holy before a holy God. He makes me holy and I must choose holiness. And what is holiness? I won't give my life to falsity. I won't give my life to false things like idols. And they don't look like they used to these days. They look different in our generation. You don't give your life to false things, but there was another dimension to it that I'm not gonna be false with God. I'm coming as me, real me, inadequate me, shepherd boy me, average me, when I size myself up next to somebody else, not so good me, because God can't shepherd the fake you. David understood in Psalm 23, only the real David could be shepherded by the shepherd king. Only the real David, when he wasn't being false with God, because God doesn't shepherd shadows. God doesn't shepherd what's not real. God doesn't anoint what's not real leader. God will not anoint a fake you. Holiness is becoming whole before Him, taking the real you, what's and all, to be anointed, to be covered, to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Real holiness. But what I find most intriguing about Psalm 24 for the purposes of today, yes, is the words, I like words but it's actually the structure of a song. The song was written for a purpose, to usher the Ark of the Covenant in the presence of God into the, the place that it belonged, not hanging out at someone's house, although the presence of God belongs in your house, but ushering it into the centre of the Kingdom of God, national life in Israel. Um, what I find intriguing is right at the centre, right after the beginning of verse 6, David stops and says, Selah, Selah. The structure of the song, because it was a song, actually had a pause. The words in themselves carry a meaning that David wrote. The words in and of themselves actually do have a meaning, but the structure and the pattern is as equally, if not more, important. Because the sila, and it baffles me that some translators take it out, it's like we have to remove what we don't understand. 
Sometimes we do that with God, don't we? I don't, it's, it's a mystery. I must remove it. I must remove all mystery. And it's like, no, 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 keep the mystery. There is going to be some things this side of heaven you will never understand. And you've got to be comfortable with that, that He is God and I am not. And He will heal, deliver, save and do in mystery sometimes. But the pauses add weight and depth and power of meaning to the words. In fact, the pauses have as much purpose in this as the content. Otherwise, the content all bleeds together and what you have is not a song, you have a cacophony. Life unpunctuated by divine punctuation is a cacophony. It is not an orchestra. In music... Selah in our generation, I'd like to see as, and I'm not, I don't have a musical bone in my body. I've got a son who's slightly musical and growing in that. But rest, if you are familiar, <laughs> if you are familiar with composition, it is the rest in the composition that can make all the difference. When I sat at Handel's Messiah last Christmas with Pastor Karen and Pastor Jess and we got over the wow factor of the Opera House and being together and having fun, it was listening to that tremendous orchestral piece. It is a work of art that I discovered the rests that you actually have to play the silent beats when you're a musician matter as much as the notes themselves because they build curiosity and anticipation. They build a sense of freshness and adventure in the music. They actually establish the melody and the rhythm of the music. Isn't that baffling even in the silence and the rest? And on a practical note, and if you're a practical person, you may like to know, also good composers know, if my musicians are to make it through to the end of an amazing orchestra, they need time, particularly if they're playing woodwind, to draw breath. They must draw breath. They, those violinists have to pick up the bow, rest their arm. One of my favourite oboe players, Diana Doherty, and I could listen to the music over and over. I lose myself and find God in classical music. FYI. <laughs> Diana Doherty needs to draw breath. Otherwise, the melody will be compromised. Otherwise, the song will be jeopardised. And the thing about Psalm 24 is that David's punctuation of the song, because it is punctuation, Selah is punctuation, divine punctuation. Selah is punctuation. And the thing about David's musical punctuation is it mirrored his life. It mirrors his life. He lived with Selah. He lived with, in all his doing, dwelling with God, all of it, in every single season. And he doesn't give himself um, a tap out pass when he gets to kingdom. He doesn't say to himself, I'm the big dude now, I'm the big boss now. Selah is for when I was a shepherd and I had time. Actually, Selah is for kings as well as shepherd boys. <laughs> Living with divine punctuation was a part of every season in David's life. His, in his pain, he found purpose because of Selah. Because I go to God, I ascend the mountain of God. In all his achieving, and he achieved a lot, 
He paused to worship the Lord. In all seasons, the Selah king could respond to the King of Glory because he had time enough to stop and avert his gaze from earth to heaven to make sense of what was happening on earth. Because he understood there is no room to soar without Selah. There is no room in your life to soar above the earthly things, the weights and pressures of life. If you will not, Selah, if you will not adopt the spiritual discipline of divine punctuation, you don't get to soar. Without it, the song would lack power. There would be no room to soar and he would remain earthbound. Another Saul on the earth, another king that existed, his name in the annals of history, but not the man after God's own heart that knew how to sailor, divine punctuation in every season. The challenge is the enemy's design is to completely remove divine punctuation from your life. My children, when they learn to write and they're growing in that as well, some even got A's this week in it and I was so chuffed as a former English teacher. When they first learn to write, it is a cacophony of words jammed together on scripts about a lot of nonsense, but you feel proud as a parent. But as as an adult, it is the enemy's design to remove divine punctuation, to move you into unbroken distraction, mindless activity, days that go on top of days with no break, no punctuation, no meaning or blueprint. The enemy wants you unpunctuated in a sea of mindless blah, in a sea of distraction, numb to the presence of God, mindless to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. He wants you completely consumed with amusement. Muse being inspiration. Muse being life and the source of life and creativity. A muse having no inspiration, but full of activity, amused, blind, to deface your humanity and make you insensitive to the voice of God, the thing that draws the image of God out of you. He wants to deface you, make you robotic, remove any sense of your identity in every way possible so that you live undefined, unpunctuated. You are not experiencing Selah. Corrie Ten Boom, one of my heroes of the faith, and she, in my view, anyone who has suffered, anyone who has been Psalm 22 in my books has something to say. If they've walked through it with the Lord and come out the other side, they have something to say. Many have called it the wisdom of the sufferer. And she was locked up in a concentration camp for hiding God's people. She says, if the devil can't make you sin, And you do get to a point in your life as a Christian where the obvious ones are kind of like a non-event for you anymore, right? But if He can't make you sin, He'll make you busy because it has exactly the same effect. It cuts you off from hearing God's voice. It cuts you off from the correction of the Holy Spirit. It cuts you off from His transformative work in your life so that you can't see God's way in life. 
You can't see his purpose in the pain. You can't see his blueprint on planet Earth anymore. You are completely blind and desensitised to what he's saying. And you become harassed, dysregulated and oppressed. And as I was praying over this message, I felt that many, not your own fault, no judgment. I love Pastor Brad's word this morning. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But things happen in life. Trauma, pain, seasons of unrelenting busyness, questions that seem like they have no answers. And we capitulate to the enemy and we become unpunctuated, no more sealer. And we become, and I felt harassed, dysregulated, and oppressed. The beauty of being a son or a daughter of God is that Selah is your inheritance. Your inheritance is to have night and day definition between the work of day and the rest of night. And if you're a shift worker, I understand. It's no comment on the particulars. To be entering into His rest even as you work and to work from a place of rest. It's your inheritance as a son or daughter of God to walk with God in the cool of the evening, to be present to today because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. I don't need to live there. I'm living in Selah. I'm pausing. I'm present to the present. It's your inheritance as a child of God. Divine punctuation, Selah, is where sons and daughters experience the love of the Father. When there is no divine punctuation, we know at a cognitive level, He loves me, but we don't experience it in our lives. We are unpunctuated, unaware and insensitive to the reality. It's where deception happens. It's where anxiety happens. It's where depression happens. It is a place in one's life where because there is no divine punctuation, we are vulnerable, but it is our inheritance. Slaves have no divine punctuation. The life of a slave versus a son is endless activity end to end at the mercy of a merciless master. Slave life And it can happen while being free because the second son in the house was a slave. Not free, not experiencing Selah and the love of the Father. Slave life is endless activity unpunctuated by rest. And it ends in a life of fear. In fact, you are driven not by love, but by fear. Sons know the love of the Father because the sons of God, women and men, generic sense of son. Sons experience Selah, punctuated life, divine punctuation, God. My work may feel at times and ministry and other roles can feel how long's a piece of string. But God, you've divinely punctuated and said, that's enough for today. That's enough for this season. You've done your assignment. You know, in all truth, Pastor Brad talks about St Andrews. And I knew I had two assignments, Selah, two assignments. Transition a beautiful, beloved church in the heart of God and look after beautiful, beloved leaders. And when the assignment was done, I knew it. It was finished, but there was so much unfinished. 
There were so many things that I would have loved to have seen and done and people to reach. And yet, Sila, divine punctuation, the assignment is finished. It is finished. It's done. We're done. I'm punctuating you. Jackie Pullinger, who was a missionary, and if I could have the keys, that'd be amazing, in Hong Kong, Iris. She's an amazing woman of God, as you are, Iris. Um, Jackie Pullinger rescued many drug addicts and street workers and just ministered the love of God to them. She'd get them saved, baptised in the Holy Spirit, completely free of addiction and living a meaningless life, a meaningful life. Get your words right, Christy. It's, it's getting midday, you know. <laughs> have that coffee. But she makes the observation. What she saw at that time over the nation of Hong Kong uh, as she worked in the walled city was a spirit dominating its people, driving them under a weight of greed and consumption. No rest, no sealer, oppressed. And it was a soul trauma. Sealer lifts the yoke of slavery, where we hear God sing songs of deliverance over us, where God breaks the endless monotony with His beautiful punctuation freeing our soul. It breaks the yoke of works and expectation. It breaks the yoke of trauma. Sons have Selah. It gives direction to existence. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, incidentally, found himself in Babylon. And even in the face of this tyrannous power, he would not let go of Selah. Even to risk political oppression that you will be thrown to the lions, you'll be thrown, but he would not let go of Selah. May I lose my life before I let go of You, Lord. Your presence in my life, Your presence punctuating my days and nights. God, I'm gonna pray to You. I don't care what they say, Lord. I will not live unpunctuated in Babylon. I will not come under that driving, consumptive, greedy spirit. I will live my life punctuated by Selah. And it was in that, I believe, that he discovered we're actually only meant to be in Babylon for 70 years. He reads the scroll. He reads Jeremiah 29, 11. He reads back one verse and it says, for you're only gonna be in Babylon for 70 years and then I'm gonna bring you home for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you, but to give you hope. He never would have known if he didn't hold to Sila with all his heart, even in a foreign power. Samuel, a young man growing up in a wicked house. Sometimes we can feel that, God, I, I'm just in such a yuck place. It's so foul, it's so evil. But if you will hold to Sila, Samuel growing up in a foul place with evil uh, priest sons, Hophni and Phineas, total losers had so much privilege and missed it completely. But young Samuel heard the voice of God, stopped, paused, responded, Selah. And the rest is history. He anointed the king that wrote Psalm 24. Without Selah, the sons of Issachar never, ever, ever would have understood the times they were in or how to respond to it. How do you think they got that? It wasn't innate. They're not that good. I mean, we go, the sons of Issachar, amazing, wanna be like them. They just did Sila. 
if you will do sila, if you will hold it with all your heart and allow the divine punctuation of heaven, you too will understand the times and know how to respond to them. Mary, because she pondered, she adopted Selah. She had the words in her, it says, and she took these words about Jesus and pondered them with her heart. And it actually gave her strength to see her son go to the cross, to raise a Messiah and see him go to the cross. Without Selah, David only would have seen rejection. He would have been in the psych's office for decades dealing with his past and yet Selah, worship. He ascended the mountain of the God, of God. He soared and had a perspective that only comes when you come up here in Selah, instead of ground dwelling and working it out in your own strength. It's the pause where distractions stop and purpose is renewed. I too have known the oppression of living without sila it seems to be um, a regular nemesis of mine. I'm high achieving by nature, a perfectionist by proclivity. I am a people pleaser at my worst <laughs> and I'm driven by the opinions of others at times. And it is merciless. And God has had to put divine punctuation in the middle of it, sometimes punctuating me with unlikely sources, sometimes causing me to lay down in green pastures and hear His voice. You know, in that series, Pastor Brad said, the only thing God will make you do is lie down. <laughs> and if you won't do it in obedience, He'll find a sneaky, sneaky way <laughs> to make it happen for you. He's arrested my attention. You know, I believe this conference and Pastor Ali and Pastor Brad had such a prophetic word about this conference, Sila. I believe for many, God is going to use the moments in worship, the altar call right now to punctuate your life again. For some, it's gonna be a full stop. The season of suffering stops now. For others, it's an exclamation mark as God delivers you from the lies of the enemy that have oppressed you for so long. For others, you've given up hope and God is saying, I'm putting a comma there where the enemy told you it was a full stop. Your divine punctuation at conference is a comma, a comma, but God, but God, but God. Your sealer is a but God, it's a comma, not a full stop. For some believing to conceive, you put a full stop there and that's the end of it. And God is saying, I've got plans and purposes for you. Would you just stop? And let me put a comma there. Don't stop at the full stop. But it does require you to do something. God does all the heavy lifting here. But there's one thing David models in Psalm 24 that every believer, every person under the sound of my voice here, it's an invitation from the Spirit today, and that is to open the ancient doors, and that is the doors of your heart, because Psalm 24, 7 to 10 says, Lift up your heads, look up, don't look out, don't look down, don't look at the circumstance, but look up, lift your head. 
be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your, your head, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Selah. Pause and see what He does when you open the gates of your heart. Pause and see what the King of... Don't jump in the void. Some of us have jumped too quickly into the Selah gap and I'll just do it. God's saying, just look up, lift your head, open the doors of your heart. Selah, let the King of glory do what He needs to do. Would you stand on your feet with me this afternoon? What I felt was... We need to open the door of our heart like David did. I wanna open the door of my heart. For some, I feel the word is you've been under unrelenting stress. And that is not your own doing. Sometimes we just find ourselves in a season. You may be caring for ageing parents. You may be just in the thick of it as a mum or dad. Maybe it's a business related thing and you have found yourself in a place of unrelenting pressure. For some, it's a yoke of works, the opinions of others, word curses that have been placed on you. And I see God wanting to lift a yoke of works off your shoulders today to smash the yoke of works. It is done. It is done. He wants to actually finish something and go, would you work out of rest now? I wanna lift the yoke. I see some, and you are, as the yoke lifts, you're gonna literally fall to the ground and He's gonna sing over you and restore your strength. I really sense that today. For some, I just get the word trauma. There is unhealed trauma and it is causing you to live from activity to activity, mindless activity, to try and numb the pain, to anaesthetise it instead of sailor. I open the doors of my heart. Would you begin, Lord, the healing work? Come into the arena of healing today. Come into the arena of healing today. Let Him begin a good work in you this afternoon. And for others, it's unrelenting pressure and inner dialogue that does not cease. Even when you put your head down on the pillow at night, for others, it's a physical healing that is actually connected to rest in the Lord, not just physical rest, although for some, I believe that. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.